Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, how's it going? Hey, good, man. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. I feel like, you know, I was, I was writing my update before this and um, I was like, do I have new things to update on? I can't remember like what we talked about last time. So I was looking through and actually I have some like really big updates, which I'm really excited about. So um, yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff in the works. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I basically did the same thing. I was like, man, it feels like nothing happened these last two weeks. And it, it was like, it was a couple slower weeks for me, but uh, I have a few things to talk about as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say to, you know, I, I thought after the last episode, I think we were chatting a little bit afterwards, but I feel like you, you downplay your updates a little bit to make them <laughs> at least I th- maybe you just think that they're not as like significant or, um, kind of weighty as, as they are, but they are, I mean, like you were like, Oh yeah, nothing new. Like we just made like two hires. It's like, bro, <laughs> that's like a huge update. What are you talking about? So anyways, don't downplay your updates. You know, you got lots of good stuff in the works always. Yeah. It's, it's funny when, uh, I think it was maybe Derek's last episode on uh, Art of Product, or, you know, last at least while he takes a break. Yeah. And he mentioned one of the things was like, he feels like his updates aren't that interesting anymore. You know, the company's at a spot where it's like, you know, it's just like, it's just not that interesting. And I'm like sitting here listening, like screaming, like, no, nah. like <laughs> all the stuff he's talking about is like, most of the time it's like so relevant to, to where I'm at. And it's, it's super interesting. And you know, I've mm-hmm. heard other people like sometimes um, Michelle Hansen on Software Social will say something like that as well, just because like she's so far along. Um, but I still find the problems that they're dealing with to be fascinating. So yeah, uh, yeah, maybe yeah, there may be like for me, <laughs> they're they're different problems, but they're um, or like you know different up types of updates, but they're still just as interesting, but maybe to a different type of person or for a different reason. Um, yeah, just a different stage of the business altogether. Yeah. It's so much easier to talk about updates for me when it's like, yeah, we built this new feature, you know, this new product, Mm -hmm. this new functionality and same thing, even for marketing, like it's just, oh yeah, now we just announced this new thing and and that's our marketing. Uh, and so getting past that stage has been, it's a little bit more of a challenge now to do both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to kick us off with one of your first updates or you want me to go first? Yeah, I can kick us off because it's totally related to what you just said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was uh, last week I, I started writing my um, monthly uh, advisor update, which I can talk about a little bit um, later on. But one of the things I, I wrote about is one of the highlights was what I talked about last week on, on the episode, uh, you know, getting the um, the payroll set up and health benefits for employees and like going through all of that. And I was thinking about it. It it was like, it was one of those things where like, like exactly what you said, like I talked about on the episode, I was like, yeah, it was, you know, it's kind of a slog to go through. I'm glad it's done. Let's like move on. And what's, what's the next thing? What's the next to do on the list? Um, and so I ended up just like tweeting this out kind of randomly, uh, It always seems like the tweets where you're like, you just kind of shoot one off and and Mm -hmm. you don't put much effort into it. It it really 
at least for my Twitter, got a lot of traction. I think it actually became my most liked tweet ever. Really? Um, yeah, which was which was crazy. So again, like I just like fired this thing off, and then I started seeing a lot of comments, and people were like so like stoked for for me for JetBoost <laughs> for Webflow community, like the fact that. And I guess for context, like basically all I said was, you know, JetBoost now has the ability to hire full-time employees in the U.S. Uh, and offer uh, 100% employer-paid healthcare um, or health benefits. And yeah, people like were were really stoked about that, and yeah. it kind of made me take a step back and think like, well, yeah, this is like this is super cool. Like this is a big milestone. Like I should celebrate this. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's like it's helpful to see other people's again, just like sharing things and, and seeing other people's reactions. That was, that was real helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely ginormous milestone. It's like, it's one thing just to have something that makes money and then it's another thing to like be able to pay yourself, but you know, supporting other full-time employees is a, a really next level thing. So yeah, it definitely should be celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was a super cool experience. And you, you have everyone sort of like transferred over now for the people who were on like a more like a contract basis that you wanted to get full time. And then some like, uh, I think like one, at least one new hire that you were going to make. Um, that would also be like through kind of this new infrastructure now, right? Yeah. So basically now have the option of doing both um, full time salaried employees and then continuing um, doing either one off contracts or, or working with contractors on a recurring basis as well um but for what i probably won't do going forward is have someone as a contractor who's full-time because that's like what Mm -hmm. what noah did for a long time and it's like oh we don't need to do that anymore like if somebody wants to work for jetboost full-time they're going to work for jetboost full-time salary benefits Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah it's, it's it's like it's awesome to have that option now for the people that are looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet, man. That's awesome. Huge, yeah. huge congrats. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. Um, I think in the last episode I talked about how I was designing the state of SAS marketing survey to eventually generate the report and how I needed to have everything kind of buttoned up by the end of the month to start sending out because like there's kind of this strict timeline of like, we need to be able to, have like a week to build the report and then when you need to have about three weeks or four weeks to like have people give answers and then so i need to have like kind of backed myself into this date of like okay by september 1st we need to be sending it out I managed to make it happen the survey was actually i mean it was it was one of those things where you know i did like 90 percent of the work in like an hour and then the other 10 percent took like four hours <laughs> just like <laughs> rewording questions um, organizing into different pages, adding questions, removing questions, rephrasing questions, um, changing out like the, the responses, making some required, some not required, all that jazz took a lot longer, but I ended up finishing that up, um, sent that out to the swipe files newsletter audience and on Twitter. And it's been, it's been getting a really good response. Uh, responses roll in every day pretty much. And um, I just out, sent out another reminder email to everyone who didn't open the last email. Uh, so that went out today. And um, and all the like Swipe Files partners, um, basically like all the 
kind of premium sponsors for the year are going to start promoting it this week as well. And so I'm pretty, pretty optimistic that we'll get at least, you know, I really want to get to like 200 responses ish to feel kind of statistically significant in some way, like at the bare minimum. Um, and I'm pretty optimistic that we'll get there if not surpass it. Um, so, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's going to be really, really, really interesting data. Like I'm really excited to actually kind of dig into the analysis and I think we'll be able to do some kind of cool segmentation around, um, uh, like growth rates and sort of marketing channels and pricing segmented by, um, fundraising time and market, uh, basically sales models. If you're more product like growth versus like sales led growth, um, a lot of cool stuff. I think that people will have eat into it, at least if they're nerdy enough like me <laughs> that they want to see that data. But, um, yeah, it's coming along. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've filled it out. And as I was going through it, like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be super interesting data. So I'm looking forward to seeing the results there. Yeah. And one key thing that I think really helped, I um, <clears throat> I tweeted out asking people, like, what's what's a really good incentive to get people to fill it out? And people had all sorts of answers like, you know, make a donation to a charity or pay them a flat rate for their time or enter them into a raffle for a giveaway and like all this kind of stuff. And then someone who had ran a survey before, I forget actually who it was. Maybe I'll drop a link to them in the, in the show notes. But um, they're like, oh, we had really good luck just by telling people that they'll be able to compare their answers, you know, to other companies basically and compare themselves to the, the industry benchmarks. Um, and so, so I kind of like latched on that. I was like, I think that's actually like the main job to be done of filling out a survey like this. And uh, so I really kind of ran with that positioning and that uh, kind of key value proposition for the survey. I think that's working. I think that's like one of the main reasons why. So I'm, I'm really glad that someone said that. I'll have to give them, I'll have to thank them um, because I've just seen, I think that a lot of that's like the main interesting part about it and framing that way. I don't think I would have gotten the same response as I have so far. Yeah. It's like ultimately what all of us care most about <laughs> is ourselves, ourselves, our own businesses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See where we stack surprise, up surprise. against other people. Yeah. 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 So I think we're going to have that running for another like two to three weeks ish. And we'll probably kind of kickstart the analysis a little bit before it, uh, before it ends, just to kind of like start mocking up, you know, what the reports will look like and start at least getting familiar with the data to do some analysis. But, um, yeah, I think it's coming along just fine. Yeah. Was the primary motivation for it to be lead gen for the swipe file summit? Um, part of it. Yeah, that, that was a little bit. Um, I thought it would just make like a really interesting session for the summit as well. Um, but honestly, the primary motivation is to gather data for founding marketing the book and two, to be like a kind of linkable piece of content that would help me with my swipe files SEO as well. Um, there's a, you know, it serves like a whole bunch of purposes, but those are kind of the main two, um, more just like getting links and data for the book. That's cool. Yeah. I just, I thought it was brilliant how you 
once you finish the survey that you get redirected to the swipe file summit landing page, <laughs> uh, and, or the, sorry, the SAS marketing summit. And I, I was like, I think I'd seen maybe an earlier version of it, but I was reading through it this time and I'm like looking at all the speakers and I'm like, wow, this, this looks like incredible. Uh, so yeah, I went and dropped my email in, um, actually then like shot the link over to the Jetboost team in Slack and like two nice. other people signed up. Um, so cool. yeah, we're, we're all going to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm just finalizing the last speaker, uh, today. And so I'm going to start promoting that tomorrow, but, um, yeah, that's finally all kind of wrapped up as well. And on that page too, I'm linking back to the survey form, built 03 form. Um, so it's kind of like this, you know, symbiotic relationship, wherever you land, you'll hopefully be funneled over to the other one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What else with you? What's new? Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, I was working on my monthly advisor update last week and it had been three months since I sent one, which is uh, oh, the wow. longest lapse I have gone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been dying uh, to read the next one. And again, I, I primarily write these for myself to look back on previous month or in this case, three months yeah. uh, to kind of plan ahead going forward. And it always, you know, gives me a chance to reflect, give me a chance to look at the metrics. Um, so it, it, in doing so, it reminded me how good of an exercise it is for me personally. Uh, sent that out and I kind of had one, I have one big decision that I'm, I'm mulling over. Um, which I can't talk too much about the details just involves like other, other people, but, um, mm. you know, I, I, I wrote about it in there, asked for feedback and I got four super helpful email responses. I had a call with somebody just kind of like talking through the decision, um, the, some various alternatives and, uh, mm. and I guess for a little bit of context, it's like, it's around hiring. Um, and yeah, it, it, again, it just like, it's one of those things that I've, I've kind of made, uh, I don't know, a cornerstone of my <laughs> bootstrapper philosophy, which is like yeah. send monthly updates. If you don't have investors, like find other founders, find other people you, uh, admire and, and send those out and, and get feedback and, uh, yeah, that was, I, I now have like a better plan going forward. There were things I hadn't considered. Um, and I just, it, it's so helpful to me to, to do that exercise. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to read it. I, I didn't see it in my inbox quite yet. Uh, I'll have to go, I'll have to go dig it up and find it. Um, we just sent out our, well, I sent out my swipe files advisor newsletter, I think at the end of last week. And I think I sent out the swipe well one today and it's always a super, super helpful exercise even just you know like for the swipe pull one we were we're going through like we kind of have a, a format of like highlights lowlights asks and then like metrics basically keep it super super simple and every time we go through the lowlights there's always like a question of like yeah why is this <laughs> like what, what can we do about this mm. whereas maybe we would have kind of like brushed it off before but um anyway i'll, I'll get into it just really briefly but um we're like getting out of, out of, uh, out of beta, basically like, or sorry, no, we're just getting out of early access. So we're becoming more like kind of publicly available. Anyone can come to landing page, sign up, self-service. Um, and, but we built this wait list of like 2,300 people. 
we have a decent amount of those who have converted into users, but we sent out an email, or actually two, the last two weeks, basically inviting the, the wait list to now go create an account. And, you know, I think maybe like 15% of the wait list has converted into users, which we're not going to get 100%, but it's like, why is it, why isn't it higher? You know, like what, what else can we do? What are we missing? What, what are the things we can do to convert more of that waitlist into, into users? Um, and then that kind of opened up this whole question about like what other metrics should we be tracking and um, what should we really be keeping a close eye on now that we do have a decent amount of users. Um, so that was, so, you know, it's also very like intrinsically valuable for yourself. Yeah. I, I swear I've seen this happen with like, it, it's happened with myself and multiple other people where you build this wait list and then you, yeah, you expect like the conversion rate to be much higher than it ultimately ends up yeah. being. <laughs> figure okay like people signed up they were interested in this product and now we're like finally giving you access and you don't care anymore <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i really can't blame them it's, it's to be expected to some degree a lot yeah. of people just come and they are just kind of interested they just want to learn more and then they decide maybe it's not for them or life gets in the way they haven't gotten to it yet they forgot about it they didn't see the email like there's a million and one reasons but um yeah totally. it's not going to be probably over 50 percent. even i think we'll be lucky to get like 25% 30% yeah yeah it, it, I can like still remember doing that for the first time with JetBoost and just being like shocked and somewhat depressed at, <laughs> at how low the response rate was so yeah uh, yeah even for things like feature requests right where it's like you build a list of people who are like you know they've either like chatted in through support or they filled out a form or they've done something on a call and they're like alright here's the thing we built for you and then you'll, there's crickets from a lot of those people. You're like, what the heck, man? Like, we did this for you. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten myself in trouble a few times building, like, one-off feature requests and then <laughs> realizing it totally wasn't worth it. You know, whether they, yeah, they ultimately, like, churn or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I know. People are finicky, man. It's, um, it's hard to really predict what they're going to do. Yeah. It's also hard because you spend so much time with your own product, you know, thinking about it, building it, crafting the landing pages. And it's like for somebody else, it's, you know, a few seconds of their day yeah, one time right. when they see an email <laughs> come in their inbox. Like that's all the yeah. context they have. Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. of the people that I've talked to, like on a manual onboarding call, uh, I shouldn't say most, probably like half of the people who I talked to were like, yeah, I kind of forgot what it was or like I kind of forgot that I signed up and so when I got the email I was like what is this again and I was like oh wait yeah I, I totally forgot about that I need to remind myself what it was and even then they were like yeah so like how does it work and like what what are the different use cases for this and so you know they're still very 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 top of funnel like not super ready to like make a purchase decision or they're still in that kind of exploratory phase yeah it reminds me of something I read a long time ago. No idea where I read this, but it was basically their advice was for like an early stage product. You have to, whenever you send out an email, like you have to tell people what your product does and like remind them, even if you think, mm. you know, this is the <laughs> seventh email that they're receiving from me. Like just put a little like, you know, sentence or two in there describing yeah. what the product does. Cause there's a good chance uh, a large portion of people don't even remember. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, a little tagline every time. I've seen that with newsletters yeah. too. A lot of newsletter creators will be like, at the very top, they'll be like, this is the, you know, X, Y, and Z newsletter. You signed up to receive this type of content. Um, you know, if you don't want this, unsubscribe here. Otherwise, you know, enjoy your reading <laughs> because people will be like, I never subscribed to this. And you're like, no, you clearly did. Otherwise, there's no way to receive my email. But people are crazy. Yep. yep. Yeah. What else? What else going on with swipe files or swipe well? Yeah. One other cool thing with swipe files in particular is um, we got onboarded to a new tool by Sparkloop which is um, what I use to power like the newsletter referrals. And they have this new tool called Upscribe, which is going to be a part of kind of a, a larger, what they're calling a partner network, where you can refer subscribers to other newsletters. Um, but what Upscribe does in particular is when you subscribe to a landing on, like from the landing page, instead of just being like automatically redirected to like a thank you page or like an email confirmation page, a little pop-up appears and it says like, thanks for subscribing. Would you also like to subscribe to these newsletters? And then there's like one or two others that you can, it'll just says like yes or no. And if you click the yes, then they automatically subscribe them to those other newsletters as well. Um, so it's cool because uh, one, I get to kind of refer subscribers to other newsletters. So I've partnered with Why We Buy by Caitlin Burgoyne and um, Growth Hacks Weekly by Marketing Max. I don't actually know his real last name, sort of his, uh, <laughs> you know, his, his alias. Um, and then they're referring subscribers to me as well. And I don't know what it is. I, I can't actually put my finger on it, whether it's been like uh, Twitter or just getting more traffic from SEO possibly. But like for a while, the kind of newsletter subscriber base was kind of like flat. It was like, really slowly growing by just like maybe a couple hundred per month. And then in the last two months, it's really shot up even before up upscribe, but upscribe mm -hmm. is making it accelerate even more. So it went from like 6,000 to 6,500 to 7,000 to 8,000, almost to 9,000 now just in the last like month. And uh, with upscribe now, I think I'm getting like, um, I'm on track to get somewhere between like four to 500 subscribers, new subscribers per week with like very, very low newsletter churn as well. Um, and a lot of those coming from kind of the, the referrals. Now the real question is going to be how many of those subscribers stick around long term, and if that churn rate is going to be higher, but so far it's been a pretty good, um, a pretty good retention rate from the partner referrals. And, uh, and I'm going to be looking to kind of double down on this even more by like their, their upscribe is kind of the, the beachhead for their partner network, but you can actually pay and get paid to be promoted by other newsletters in in deeper ways, like in their actual content or in like promotions that they run. And you basically pay like a per subscriber rate that you agree upon. Um, and the, th the thinking there too is like, Upscribe is kind of like the free version of this, but for example, if I could, if I could pay five dollars per subscriber and get paid five dollars per subscriber that I send to someone else, and if it kind of relatively evens out, I'm basically just getting free subscribers uh, for not doing really that much work. I'm just going to create like a little snippet and convert kit, and then it'll be like you know, you might also like this 
and whoever goes through there through all the emails and all the people who go through that um will just kind of be passively generating subscribers for myself and for others so i'm really excited about it i think it's going to be like i've kind of been slow on hitting my like twitter and newsletter growth goals still far behind twitter but uh but for the newsletter i think i have a chance to catch up to the goal by the end of the year which is around 15,000 subscribers um if things continue to accelerate at the same rate wow yeah i feel like everything spark loop does is like so freaking smart yeah like they all, are all really the, really smart yeah <laughs> crazy like a lot of stuff that i like would never have thought of too which is always the really impressive part i'm like wow yeah you know what never would have thought about doing it that way but here we are yeah it's like they understand their audience their customer base so well and then just keep solving here's the next problem we're solving for you here's the next problem we're solving for you and doing it really well they really really do yeah i have a a ton of respect for those guys manny and uh yeah and louis um i'm a really really teeny 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 angel investor and um really glad to hop on that train it's been a lot of fun (laughs) with them yeah, I was going to ask you after the recording if you ended up doing that or not. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So full disclosure, I don't know, <laughs> not investment advice or something like that. <laughs> but I'm not just giving a random plug. You're adding a lot of value. That's funny. Yeah, that's pretty much it on the swipe files front. I can get back to uh, swipe well stuff if you want to bounce another update. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear swipe well. Cool. Um, the big thing is that, again, we're moving sort of out of beta or out of early access, um, general availability. I don't know because we're still like, I wouldn't say that we're like launched. I think we'll probably, uh, like officially launch quote unquote, when we do like a product hunt launch, which we're planning on in the next month or two. Um, but in this phase we're we're no longer early access or invite only or however you want to call it, basically making it so anyone can come and sign up themselves. This has been because of the hard work and toil that Connor has put into the onboarding and that we've gone through like three or four different iterations with, but I think that we're really happy with now. Um, I think especially last time talking a little bit about the kind of like first run and getting people to make a swipe before they even get into the dashboard so they can kind of experience the product and see kind of the work of their own hands before they've really gotten into the dashboard and then a lot of that work is kind of taken care of beforehand. Um, and so that's one of the things like we need to keep a close eye on like how well it's actually working and any sort of like leading indicators we can see just to kind of monitor, um, for improvements down the road, but overall like really happy with it. And that's now given us the kind of the confidence now to go and open things up more on like a marketing perspective. So we shipped a new landing page which was a lot of fun to write. And we literally use SwipeWell in our own swipe files to kind of take inspiration from other pages and build the elements and components for the page. And uh, I think it's turned out really, really well. And uh, so if you go to it now, swipewell.app, unless you're a user, you might get redirected to your swipes dashboards. You might have to view it in uh, incognito, which that might be something that will change in the future, but not a huge deal right now. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a big one, and it was a lot of fun to build. Yeah, I'm just I'm scrolling through it now. This is, this is really well done. Yeah. Connor even ma- managed to make like a little 
um, kind of like mini interactive demo where you can at least like scroll through uh, the swipes so you can like literally see a preview sort of of what it would look like to create your own account. You can't like create a swipe or, you know, it's not from like a Chrome extension or anything like that, but you can like view a preview of what a swipe file looks like in SwipeWell, um, which is a really That's nice awesome. little touch. Yeah. Yeah. You can do the filters and stuff. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, as a part of that too, we also redid our Chrome web store listing page. Kind of dug into it and, you know, I'm still not really sure how much of a channel it's going to be for us. Cause I don't know. It's, it's basically entirely dependent on um, people searching within the Chrome web store for something like uh, screenshotting tool or swipe file tool or something like that, which I think is fairly small. But what we've also realized is that the Chrome Web Store listing page has really good SEO. And for anything swipe well related or swipe file related, it also pops up in the search results. So we had this crazy influx of new users who were signing up to swipe well without us giving them an invite. <laughs> and I think that it was, I, I can't remember if we talked about it or not, but it was either from just like a link being shared around in like a Slack group or something like that, or directly through the Chrome extension because of mm. SEO and people searching for certain things. So we're like, all right, we need to like take another look at this. If we're redoing the landing page, we might as well redo the Chrome web store listing page as well. And uh, learned a lot in the process too. Like I, I really hadn't looked into how it works and sort of what makes a good Chrome web store listing page. But there's a lot of nuances to, um, you know, like in the title, it's, it's, again, it's, it's very like old school SEO tactics of, you know, there's some keyword stuffing in there and like in the title, you don't want to just have swipe. Well, we also have swipe. Well, uh, dash screenshot and swipe file, uh, creator or something like that, uh, or software. And that's because we want to try to, come up for search results related to screenshots and swipe files. And, um, and then like the images, there's like some recommendations about how you make the images and you want to have like text kind of annotating the screenshots of the tool and have a few of those. And then the description, you can just kind of go crazy on and make it as long as you want. <laughs> so we've got everything from like, you know, Google ads library or like works with Facebook ads works with, uh, Google ads works with, you know, every other permutation of that and, um, all to try to help us rank for, uh, keywords related to swipe all that we need to. Um, so I actually ended up like sending Brian castle some notes as well for zip message, because I know that it's been a big channel for loom in the past and mm. for sure, like the biggest category that I've seen on the Chrome web listing store is, um, is like, uh, screen recording software. It's like a giant, giant category for Chrome extensions. And so I was like, man, you, you gotta, you gotta really look into this because you might be missing out. And I don't think it's as big of an opportunity for us for swipe. Well, but kind of just transfer all the learnings over to him as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. It reminds me of, uh, this was a couple of years ago, but when I launched the Chrome extension for Webflow uh, called ModKit, which basically just like changes yeah. around some of the things on the interface and whatnot, adds a few extra features to the Webflow designer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And kind of learning like, Oh, okay. Like this, like you said, like <laughs> you can still keyword stuff, the, the title and 
the description and some of those things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was looking at ModKit. I, I looked at quite a few, just kind of see what other people were doing and um, taking some inspiration from from them. Uh, you know what's funny too about Chrome extensions is that it'll tell you like how many users it has, or at least mm-hmm. how many like, installs. Um, mm-hmm. Dude, ModKit, two thousand users or two thousand plus users. That is amazing. Um, that's really really cool. Yeah, I mean it. <laughs> it's been kind of dead for for about a year. Uh, it's just not. It's it's not top of the priority list for for me to keep updating and iterating on. But um, yeah, but still, such a cool, um, such a cool like engineering's marketing kind of experience. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely like like you said, people searching for Webflow in the Chrome Web Store. Right. Monkey will come up. Uh, yeah. They may discover JetBoost through that way. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I realized too, I think that every, every staff tool should have like a primary or favorite, um, like review platform that they're trying to build reviews on. And I think for swipe, well, the biggest one's going to be the Chrome web store. Whereas if you're like a Shopify app, obviously you want to build it in Shopify or if you're in Heroku, you want to build in Heroku. Or if you're just like a general SaaS tool, you might want to build a lot of reviews on G2 or Captera or, you know, I don't know, whatever other one is out there. Um, and so now also we have another email that goes out for anyone who becomes a customer to leave a review on the on the Chrome Web Store listing uh, to also help on that front as well. Because we can re kind of repurpose those reviews on the landing page, but also it'll help with um, ranking Chrome too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask what made you or, or why did you decide that, 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 um, a SaaS app should have like a review platform that they're targeting. Is it just to reuse those reviews? Um, yeah. One, I think it's a really low friction way of capturing those reviews in the first place, rather than asking them to like fill out a form or reply to an email or something like it's a trusted kind of third party and people are more familiar with that anyways. And so they know exactly how it's going to be going to be used. Um, but two, yeah, it serves a double purpose of like, then you can rank higher in that platform, which becomes another marketing channel for you. So you might as well kind of, uh, you know, it serves two purposes with one effort, right? Um, yeah. Social scale. Yeah, as, as far as like G2, Captera, I've always figured not to bother for JetBoost. Yeah, you would kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just like, it's not really like a known big category. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, cool. it's follow the follow the users, right? How do they find tools like yours? If yeah. they don't use G2 or Captera, then don't bother. If they don't use LinkedIn, don't bother. If they don't use fill in the blank, don't bother. Um, and that's why, you know, I think that's why the Chrome Web Store is kind of the review platform of our choice because I know that there's at least something going on there. And I can't think of any other place where we'd want to gather reviews for kind of the SEO purposes. So we're going to double down that one. You guys aren't going to build a mobile app, are you? We are. <laughs> that'll, are you really? that'll, wow. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be <laughs> the... Um, Probably the next one. I actually, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research on the kind of the discoverability of mobile apps. I think it's very competitive. And I don't know how many people are searching for 
you know, swipe file software in their, in the, in the app store. But yeah, you kind of read, read bar, read right into our roadmap on like what's next. Uh, that's the big thing that kind of working on right now is mobile apps. And, um, I think he's kind of found a way to build kind of cross platform hmm. at the same time. Um, so instead of starting with iOS and then going to Android or vice versa, you can actually do both at once. Um, still a ways out. I think that I'll be like reusing a lot of components, building in react and whatnot, but, uh, it's definitely a, a pretty big endeavor. We're still kind of 50, 52 on whether or not it's going to just be kind of a bridge for sending something to swipe well, or if it's going to be like a functioning app where you can view your swipe file in the app itself. Um, mm. so we'll see where we land on that. We'll kind of, you know, do some MVP, lean startup check-ins and, um, see how much effort it's going to take and what to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see capturing being useful on mobile because nowadays we're all reading like so much stuff on our, our mobile phones and whatnot. Yeah. I guess the current process right now would be you send an email, like sh- sharing the link. Is that how you would do it? Yeah. Sending an email. Um, but that only works for anything you're viewing. Uh, you'd have to like send it to yourself as an email and then forward it into swipe well. Cause it has to be like a forward oh, okay. um, or just, you know, taking a screenshot and then directly uploading, you know, like airdropping it to your computer and then uploading to your account through the browser, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I've been doing so far, but yeah, it is kind of a hassle. Like it definitely, it isn't as seamless and easy. And then you have to go through all the work of tagging already and, it'll be much, much better to do it kind of in flow on your phone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> d- definitely an undertaking, but, uh, <laughs> I know he's just cranking away. I don't know how he does yeah. it, but he's doing it. Cool. What else with JetBoost? or any other thoughts? Yeah. Um, let me see here. Yeah, one other thing came up in the last two weeks. Have, have you heard of this concept of two-way write-ups? No. Mm-mm. So I came across this tweet randomly from uh, someone who works at Coda, which is the, uh, I'd say it's probably like a most closely compared to like Notion. Uh, so document creator, yeah. but it's also kind of like a no-code tool where you can do a little bit more as far as like formulas and automations and stuff. Uh, which side note, I started using, uh, just past couple of weeks and I'm like loving it. <laughs> yeah. I've like slept on Coda for way too long. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, I've, I've known about it for probably two plus years. Um, so anyways, they wrote up this article that I found real interesting and we can, we can link it in the show notes, but basically talking about two way write-ups and kind of their thesis is the way we've communicated at work has evolved from. Uh, kind of old school slide presentation. So, you know, you've got your meeting where the meeting organizer put together a bunch of slides, they go through, they, they make the presentation, uh, people get bored, start falling asleep, uh, you know, or, or they have questions or tons of questions and like derail the meeting, you get stuck on slide number two. Uh, so that was kind of like sort of the first phase. And then, uh, they described the second phase as one-way write-ups uh and you can think of these as like the the jeff bezos six-page memos right um, 
where it's like all written prose, no bullet points allowed, because uh, that's basically a slide. Uh, you know, really have to think through your arguments and your thesis and, um, you know, and, and, and write those out and then uh, have the rest of the team read through that and provide feedback. And they used Google Docs as an example of a tool that's used for that. And they said part of the problem and, and why they call it one-way write-ups is all of the commenting, at least that can happen in the document, like is over on like the little comments sidebar. And so you, you sometimes have these like extremely nuanced discussions taking place in like this tiny little area yeah. off to the side of the dock. Totally. Um, and so then they propose this concept of two-way write-ups, which is basically, you know, this is obviously also like a pitch for Coda. Um, they, they write all their documents up and in Coda and then they have these different blocks that you can add that solicit feedback, um, that solicit basically thoughts on how someone has felt about the writing. Uh, you can even just track whether or not they actually, like how far they they read through the document. Oh, wow. Um, anyways, I, this really resonated with me for some reason. I, th I think partly because my default is to write nothing down. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it actually, like, you're really good at this. When, when we've done stuff together in the past, like, you're very good about having, like, written discussions and capturing notes. And, um, you know, and it's something where I'm like, okay, like, I, I want to get better at this. And uh, so with JetBoo, it's like, it's, it's always been because it's been such a small team, it's always been so easy to just say like, all right, let's, you know, hop on a call, uh, especially with like the Slack huddles now. It's so easy to like, click a button and, and you're in a call with everyone. And, yeah. Um, the problem with that is you can easily lose either decisions or context or, uh, you know, there's, there's so many times where we've been on a call and we're like, yeah, what did we decide to do about this? And it's like, nobody wrote it down, <laughs> which is, you know, my fault. Um, and so I'm trying to build this like writing habit of, okay, like mm. I'm going to write out my personal thoughts about the business, about where we're headed, present this to the team. Uh, you know, instead of just like us hopping on, having an ad hoc meeting to discuss like big decisions. Yeah. Um, so started doing that this past couple of weeks and it's like, it's really interesting because it forces you to think more deeply before you, you know, it can be really good to talk things out, but at the same time, like doing the write up first, like you almost come into it with a better, uh, with a better framework and, and better thoughts around, um, the decision that you're trying to make. Definitely. Yeah. I also look yeah. at how that works. I, I love that idea a lot. We've been, I think I've kind of been experienced this, the, this better with notion when they kind of introduced, um, uh, comments and then like inline comments on any text or content on the page. But then um, they also like split out the kind of comment bar to the side as well. So there's kind of a couple different views, but like one of them is you have like the document and like the, a large, you know, 75% width panel. And then on the right, you have like a 25% width panel right next to it with all the comments. And that helps kind of um, break it apart so that it's not, yeah, I, I experienced that same thing with Google Docs where it's like, you're writing paragraphs and paragraphs and paragra paragraphs <laughs> and then nothing is like immediately viewable. It's all sort of outside of your workspace or like where you're making decisions, but you're commenting about it. And, um, 
I always struggle with this too between Notion and Slack and like where do you talk about something? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been trying to keep a, a lot more things within Notion so that there is the history on a particular project or task to see like how the decision was made or like where we landed on it or just anything I need to know related to that thing is there. I don't have to go search back through Slack because it's really hard to do that. Um, yep. Just with how like everything is very uh, ethereal and sort of just disappears and gets lost into the ether of your history. Um, and like what deserves to go in Notion versus Slack. And we kind of have this thing of like trying to put as much into Notion as possible. But if it's not in Notion, then send it in Slack because it might not be a thing that exists yet or that's sort of the origin of the task possibly. But I, I mean, I really love the idea of two-way write-ups. The actual implementation is kind of interesting and like what, what are the best tools to make that happen or practices of, you know, where something gets, di- gets discussed. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe the tool matters less. Like the big learning is we're not just like writing things for, you know, the rest of the team to read or whatever. It's like, it's about having a discussion uh, and capturing that discussion. And uh, mm-hmm. like you said, I, I, I've used Notion comments before. I, I think they do handle it much, much better than Google Docs. Um, so yeah, just like having that history, having that context uh, and the, you know, we, we can link it, but the article I think does a really good job of describing like how you might structure one of these write-ups um, mm. sort of starting with like a background section to get everyone on the same page and then the proposal and then, you know, the, the, the feedback and discussion. So right. yeah, I found, I found it really helpful in them. I'm, I'm liking how it's making me think about the business and decisions that we're making. That's cool. Yeah. I think this is kind of how, um, again, I the tool doesn't matter a ton, but I think that this is kind of been one of the core things for Basecamp, and that they've at least tried to do with like their like message board. I want to say where it's like not chat, it's like you write up sort of a thesis and you write up um, a proposal, and then you have people comment on that proposal, and then you sort of you know string out tasks from that proposal or from that document that you just created. Uh, I also want to say who was it. there was someone who who wrote something similar just about like how you ask for feedback on ideas where it's not necessarily like, okay, you do this, you do that. But it's more like, here's something we're thinking about. What's the right way to think about this? Here are all the things to consider. And, um, it was kind of like this, uh, this structure that you can use. I, I think it was in Slack where you're, you're telling people like, okay, I don't need feedback on this part. Cause so, you know, you'll we'll be like, you'll write up this big long document and you'd be like, all right, <laughs> let me know your thoughts. And then people are like commenting on something that is completely irrelevant to what you actually wanted to know. And you're like, no, 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 I didn't. So it's, it's a kind of a, so, a system to mark like, okay, this, I don't want feedback on this. I do. This is the most important thing. And I need everyone to answer this rather than like, you can give thoughts if you want to. And then it's crickets. So yeah, I mean, it's really hard to pull off, but I like the idea a lot. Yeah, (laughs) that immediately reminded me of Hacker News comments and how like the top one will always be, 
you know, uh, it, it doesn't load in my Linux browser or, yeah. you know, <laughs> with, without JavaScript running on the page. <laughs> why, why is there this giant uh, pop-up when I, when I try to exit or something? Like, it's always yep, like exactly. totally not about the topic of the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your page load speed is, could be optimized by doing X, Y, and Z. You're like, dude, that, that was not, you completely missed it entirely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it happens very, very often. I've been guilty of that myself as well, but that's really cool. I'm going to read that yeah. article and um, look into it. Cool. Anything else on your side? No, nothing else on my end. Uh, anything else for you? Uh, the only thing I'll say, this is another topic that's very hard to podcast about, but as part of these write-ups, I've been thinking, well, these write-ups and like just, there are a lot of things happening simultaneously right now in the background. Mm. Um, it's got me thinking a lot about the future of JetBoost and what it looks like for the company, for the product. Um, the most recent bootstrapped web episode was one of the things that kicked this off. Mm. Um, uh, to, to provide some context around that. So uh, th there were kind of two big takeaways from that episode th that I took, which was number one, um, Brian Castle talking a lot about zip message, how he launched the initial version, kind of, I would say, casting a wide net. Uh, so like launching right. a very horizontal tool. And now he's niching down, dialing into a specific audience with his product, changing the um, the... The, the positioning, the even some of the product features and whatnot to really focus on on that customer segment. And he didn't just like make this decision haphazardly. Like, he, and this is why the episode was so great. He talks about like his customer research process, customer interviews, uh, and sort of walks through his whole decision making around this. Yeah. And then related to that was you know um, his podcast partner Jordan Gall, who had. Uh, had a related experience with his previous business cart hook where mm -hmm. the, the initial product was abandoned cart software. Um, but eventually they basically pivoted into, uh, I believe it was like upsell software for, for e-commerce. Right. Um, yeah. Like, like a completely different product ultimately that ended up being the majority of the revenue and, and what really caused the business to take off. Mm -hmm. Um, and <laughs> side note, but I actually met up with Jordan Gall uh, last week, which was which that's was super right. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. He's, yeah, he's in the he, he just moved to like basically the same area as me uh, hmm. at, the, at the same time. So that that was a really cool experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it both of their stories and experiences, plus like some of these other things that are happening right now, got me thinking like they're. I need to be very open to the possibility that four or five years from now, Jetboost is a completely different product than what it is today. Mm. And I actually think it's heading in that direction. Interesting. Um, right. So I think what we have right now has been great to get us this far. Um, but I think there are some larger things in the ecosystem happening that might push us in a totally another direction. And I think for various reasons um, that 
I, I don't really want to get into on this publicly, but I think we're in a very good spot for that to happen. Hmm. And so I'm, yeah, just kind of taking some time to synthesize all of this and uh, r- really consider the fact that like we don't have to stay in this narrow path that we're on and yeah. there's potentially like a much larger mountain to climb that's just over here next to us uh, if, if we just take the chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really, really interesting hearing both of them talk about that. It's Yeah, it's totally possible. Um, I think that's really smart to kind of keep an open eye about it too. Because otherwise you can just kind of like, you know, close your, your ears and your eyes and, and just sort of stay in your lane and then just be static, right? But I think always trying to think about where, you know, where can the product line go to best fit the ever-evolving needs of your customers? That, that should always be the chase, right? And wherever that takes you is the right direction. Yeah. Again, why like I think Sparkloop's doing such a great job of this, where they're continually expanding and, and shifting their product and adding new products. And um, I, I know I've gotten stuck at times in this very narrow focus of how do we make the you know JetBoost search like one percent better and one percent mm. better and one percent better, and and like that can result in a really great product and experience for that product for that group of customers. Mm-hmm. but you might be missing the bigger picture by doing that. Um, and I, th- I think that has happened to me at times. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool hearing Brian talk about it kind of real time too. I know he's yeah. been like working on it for the last like a month at least, but, um, you know, being willing to kind of talk about that openly and that kind of uh, all the changes and sort of especially how he's narrowing it on coaches, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a big bet to make. I think it's obviously the right call for him. Um, for him, that real time is really interesting, just like the thought process of it all. Yeah, it, it was really interesting hearing him talk about how he basically is like building a case with evidence and either trying to prove that or disprove that. I think it's yeah. sometimes it's so easy to just want to be right and not actually prove mm-hmm. that you're right <laughs> or wrong. Uh, you know, it's like the uh, building the product, but never actually like showing it to people. Cause like, you don't want to, you, you really, there's a part of you that really doesn't want to know like, Oh, nobody wants this. Yeah. But if right. you get past that, like that's where, that's where you can really start to get true answers and, and build something that people need. Yeah. Or it's like you, you're afraid to hear people say directly that they don't want that. Or they want something else. So instead, you'll kind of let yourself down easy and just let the silence kind of tell you all that you need to know, right? Which is like just as painful, but just not as as blunt. You know, it's a more of a slowly ripping off the bandaid than quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a hard part. You have to always be kind of intellectually honest and um, honest with yourself and objective. Always, always really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, so working through that, and again, it's like we're at the stage where it's it sometimes is frustrating for me because I like to just like take action, see immediate results, and like you know work on short term projects and and launch new things and whatnot. And it's like this is something that maybe two, three, four years down the road, 
Um, but to start setting that vision now, uh, basically like we need to start setting that vision now. Otherwise Mm -hmm. we are going to end up just in this, you know, kind of local maximum. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That local versus global maximum is, is the, the perfect kind of framework to think through it. Yeah. Another mental model for marketing way back. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Cool, man. Well, shall we wrap it there? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have as many links and uh, mentions in the show notes that we can remember. And we'll see you in the next one.